Hey, babes. I am your host, Christina Catherine McGinnis, a recent college graduate who is just trying to figure her shit out. In the Bottled Blonde podcast, we are talking lots of booze with a new drinking word every week, dishing on our latest dating adventures, diving into work hacks, and the best hashtag self-care tips around. This is a place for all babes to come and chat about the millennial four pillars, booze, boys, business, and beauty. Come with a glass of champs and get ready to laugh, learn, and have a happy hour with your blonde digital BFF. Let's celebrate not having it all together, but having a good fucking time while we're at it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts every Thursday. Cheers. Hello, TBB babes. I have to tell you all about Organifi. They are a one-stop shop for all things nutrition to ramp up 2021 and send you into the year with success. I have just started the green juice by Organifi, and it's a refreshing superfood drink to detoxify the body and boost energy. I just put this in my morning water, just one scoop, and I am good to go. Right now, I have on the way the red juice and then the gold tea. So the red juice, you can also drink in the daytime. It's a superfood punch that supports metabolism and anti-aging. And then their gold tea, which is a hot drink, is their nighttime herbal tea that supports recovery and relaxation. They've been seen in Forbes, Food Network, Thrive Global. They are a one-stop shop, and I cannot wait for you guys to try them. So visit Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com and use the promo code Christy for 15% off. Make sure to tag me when you guys get this product because, oh, It is so good, especially the green juice. I'll have to keep you updated on the red juice and the gold tea. But again, go to O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com and use the code Christy for 15% off at checkout. Hello, TBB babes. I am your host, Christina Catherine McGinnis, the founder of KCM Connect, the blog, ChristinaMcGinnis.com, and the podcast, The Bottled Blonde. I am doing something I have not done and I want to say like three or four years. I'm taking like an entire week off of social and I was so nervous to do it. I was like, oh my God, there's going to be so much when I'm coming back. And so far I have been doing okay. It is Thursday. I stopped social on Monday and I'm just taking an entire week to just reset, get really clear on my goals, what I'm wanting, and also take a step back when you're in things and you're like, go, 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 go. You cannot see things super clearly. And I'm the person who makes like split second decisions. So it's been very hard for me. But taking a step back has actually really helped me. And I noticed how crazy it is. I notice myself like not as anxious. Like when I'm not on my phone, I'm not checking Instagram, I'm not checking emails, I'm not checking Slack. And I'm literally taking the entire week off from everything, like from work, even the podcast. Like I'm taking a week off from everything just to reset, decompress, and like give myself a little time. If you're a TBB babe, you're a high functioning person who loves to have fun, but you're also a go getter. And sometimes you just need step away from things. So this right now is the message that maybe you need right now. It's okay to step away from things even for a week. And that seems like a lot of time 
But really, in like your whole life, that's no time. It's really just about perspective. And I had to think about, okay, what am I going to do here to just change things up? And I want to just change things up for the remainder of the year. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be having the same problems that I've been having for the last six months to now go into the next six months. So this week, we are disconnecting from everything. I would highly recommend it. And I'm excited to kind of chat with you guys, you know, next Thursday after it's been over an entire week, see if there's anything that kind of came about that I could share or any tips and tricks that I could give you guys. But a social reset is sometimes what is so needed and can really open up your mind. This episode, there's a lot we dive into with so it's just so much between the open relationships and Adrian actually came to my house. So we were in LA when we were able to film this and it was so much fun to just be in person with her because when you're recording in person, you just get a completely different vibe off of someone. You vibe off each other and it can change into a completely different conversation than you would have had over Zoom. So this is like one of my favorite episodes for a lot of reasons. And she's so vulnerable. She's so open. And I think provides so much value for people who may be struggling with this. I listened to the episode back and was like, wow, I've actually struggled with a few of these things. Or, you know, it was super interesting. We talked for like an hour before the interview even started, just about life, what we were going through, different things that were popping up. And me and my boyfriend actually came up with the questions for the episode especially the open relationship aspect, because we had so many questions. We created all these like fake scenarios on like how this would work or how that would work. Or like, if you're at a party, whose hand do you hold? That sounds so stupid. But if you think about it and you've never done anything like this, which I have never, we were just like, how the hell would this all work? So this episode is really good and just wanted to give you guys a little update on where I was at with life and just needing a break and giving myself a break and also not feeling so hard on myself for doing that because I do need a little mini vacation and I think that's okay. And everyone might need a little mini vacation, especially a lot of people are saying that they need to use up like certain vacation hours or stuff, you know, like running out. So if that is you take a few mental health days disconnect from everything, literally turn off your phone and see how magical you feel afterwards. But TBB babes, let's jump right into this episode. I'm pumped for you guys to hear it. Today, we have Adrian, who is a healer, coach, spiritual leader, who is on a mission to impact the future of mental health and put the healing back in the power of our own hands. We dive into so much on this episode, and I am beyond excited for you guys to chat with Adrian, hear everything that she's done, everything she's working on and going through. We're talking open relationships, healing your inner child, and boundary work. This episode is straight fire. Today's drinking word is going to be spiritual, and let's get into the episode. Hello, TBB babes. I am so excited for our guest this week. We are diving into open relationships, modern medicine. We are going all the places and I am just so pumped. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming over. This has been like one of the first in-person interviews that I've done in a while. So I'm like really excited. Yeah. In-person is my absolute favorite. That's like for me to be able to share energy with people. It's the same reason why 
I obviously love open relationship, coaching with relationships, the the plant medicine space, like the healing space, all of that, just to be able to share energy with people. I really believe that's what we're here on this earth to do is to deeply experience ourselves and ourselves through others as well. That's amazing. Okay. So do you have a cocktail or, or, you, or do you drink? I do. Okay. What's your favorite cocktail? We're, we're all about booze on here. Okay, so any okay. kind of like, what's your vibe right now? What's your favorite drink? I'm not a cocktail person. I like unfiltered cold sake. Okay. And I like mezcal. Mezcal is my favorite. That's the rocks, a little bit of lime. Oh, the man loves mezcal. I have not been able to, it's like the smokiness. I don't know oh. what it is, but I can't do it. Yes. I'm like a champagne rosé tequila. Oh. Tequila I can do. So I can't do any of those things, but I mean, mezcal is a type of tequila that's yeah. smokiness and mm-hmm. it just tastes like a delicious campfire to me. I'm really into that. I like, yeah, I like more like bitter and like stronger, more like leathery masculine kind of tastes. Mm-hmm. But I started drinking when I was 13 years old. So I burned out of a lot of different types of beverages <laughs> by the time I was 21. Oh yeah. And I haven't really drank that much since I was 22. So I'll do every once in a while, I'll go do like a happy hour, but I, mm-hmm. I really drink for flavor for sure. And like the smokiness of a mezcal is my favorite. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I know I started drinking early and I'm like, ah, that way when everyone was like ready to start to, I was like, I know what I like. They're like, drink beer. And I was like, beer does not agree with my system. Yeah, <laughs> I was, no, like, I was like, having a hard pass. I was like, <laughs> grew up on Coors. Not a good vibe. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> what do you personally want? want to be known for? I love starting out this question because I feel like it puts people in like a good headspace, but you just like overall. I want to be a safe place for people to express their truth, no matter how ugly or scary or, you know, big it feels. I just always want to provide that feeling of safety and reciprocity for people where when they are in my presence, they feel like they are able to experience themselves and their truth in a way that's not going to be judged Mm -hmm. and that they're going to feel no attachment or agenda from me. That's 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 what I am wanting to do for my friends. That's where my integrity comes from as well as when I'm teaching people about boundaries, like for them to be able to experience that. That's amazing. So you had such like just a diverse experience in the past, like a few years. I feel like you've done so much with yourself and your business and all the things that are coming forward from like 2019 to now, like what has changed with you? I literally like want to laugh because it's like everything, but I just want to just dive into kind of how you came to be here. Yeah. In 2018, I created my first vision board and I didn't even know how to take it very serious. I just listened to this speech by Mike Dooley and the speech was pretty much just talking about how thoughts become things. And I was like, oh shit, what a concept. So (laughs) I wrote on my vision board in like large, bold print thoughts become things. And then I wrote down a bunch of random stuff. Like I wanted to go to Thailand. I wanted to go to Tokyo. I wanted to, you know, make $10,000 a month. I wanted to do all these things. Mm -hmm. And then I set the vision board because it was not that pretty behind a door. And for the next year, I didn't even look at it. And by the end of the year, I had accomplished every single thing on the vision board, except for one thing. And the, the reason I share this is because I ended up going to Thailand. My partner at the time had seen that I wanted to go there. So he booked a trip and it just so happened that our layover for nine hours was in Tokyo. Now, what that showed to me was that 
the ambiguity and the vagueness of how I was writing those things down, you're still going to get what you want. It's just not necessarily, there's so much more intention that you could put into manifesting and so much more intention that you could put into like a vision board. Like how do I want to experience Tokyo kind of Mm -hmm. in detail? Like what am I looking to feel? And for me, I just wrote a bunch of vague things on there. So that year really changed my life of seeing like, holy shit, like I just wrote these things down and then they started coming to fruition. And there's so much that goes into that play. Like you can't just write things down and then sit on your couch. But what you can do is you can write those things down and you can sit still enough to see when opportunities present themselves. And then you can have that level of like clarity of like, Ooh, I feel really called to do this. And so I was in a relationship for three years with my ex, who is one of my absolute best friends. Now we did a lot of our healing work together. We were very much a trauma bond, meaning that the way that we played out our unconscious patterns, and I'm, I'm trying to be careful to use language that I, I know yeah. resonate with you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, with your audience. And, mm-hmm. But there's just so many ways in which we show up in life that we really don't know why we do that. And then mm-hmm. we say, well, that's just how I am. That's just my personality. The crazy thing though, is that our personalities are predominantly developed by the age of five. Isn't that insane? Like that's so wild. Well, and to like people say me and call him LA hot man on here, but we were talking about this because certain things that you did as a child or like the way that you talk or like your personality, like you'll see like a a toddler Mm -hmm. and they're like, maybe, you know, she's a little more bossy or like just confident or whatever that is. And you take all of those traits into adulthood. Right. And a lot of the ways in which our personality is developed is based on how we believe we are capable of getting our needs needs met by our parents. So you could have had a really dope childhood, but the way that you show up as an adult is a reflection of how you showed up as a child to get love, affection, and validation. And if you're not aware of exactly what moments in your childhood or not necessarily what moments, but the patterns that have been repeated over and over the course of the years, you are going to play the lack of needs that you had met with your parents out with your partners every single time. And you're not going to be aware of why you're doing it. So let's say you have a a pattern in a relationship the way that I had with my ex, Tommy. Mm -hmm. We both came to the relationship with these really unconscious patterns. We were not aware that our childhood had affected us. And so we came together and this is where we lived out our karma. We lived out these, these certain situations that we needed to surface within ourselves. So we manifested opportunities for conflict so that we could express how we felt and how unsafe we felt and communicate. And it gave us an opportunity to really learn about ourselves. So that's what I did in that container with him. And it was really beautiful because we ended up just kind of holding space for each other. We were committed in this, you know, very monogamous way. We were together. We weren't trying to be with anybody else. We had too much going on. So I felt very safe in our relationship that no matter what surfaced, I wasn't going to be necessarily abandoned. Now there was a level of abandonment stuff that I have because I was adopted. And then for him as well, like he was abandoned by his mother around the age of one. And so when we looking at that, it's like, how are we showing up? You know, for him, he attracts very strong female energies into his life. That's what his mom was. That's what his stepmother was. So that's what he's attracting. I'm attracting men like my dad who are extremely avoidant, anxious. They overwork. They're they're the fun guy, the cool guy, you know, but they, they definitely have like a certain level of sensitivity. And like, that's what I'm used to. I'm used to rescuing my dad. So uh, therefore I want a man that I have to rescue. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, so we played out all of that stuff in our relationship until we just got so fucking tired of it that it came crashing down. And when it came crashing down, a lot of that had to do with like our sexual connection because of the trauma that had been played out. Both of us didn't feel safe with one another, but what also happened is we decided to open our relationship. And 
you know, one of the things that I'll just pin in here is if your relationship is not thriving and you do not have a really consistent and safe foundation, opening your relationship is not going to bring you closer together. I feel like it would pull you apart. It did. It does. It Mm -hmm. absolutely does. And what happened is in 2019, after I wrote my vision board out, I was making more money than I had ever made before. I hit that goal on my vision board. I was traveling Mm -hmm. and I was listening to a podcast about open relationship because I wanted to open my relationship. And it was an Aubrey Marcus podcast. Like I love that man. I resonate so much with so many things about him. And I'd never really listened to podcasts like that, that often. And I listened to it at the end. He was like, by the way, I'm starting a mastermind group called fit for service for people who like really want to be in service of the world. And we're going to talk about very unconventional topics. It's going to be a place where you can come and you can learn about yourself. And we'll talk about open relationship. We'll talk about the use of psychedelics for alternative therapy. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm living in Salt Lake city at this time. Like Mm -hmm. most of my clients are Mormon. I'm in this relationship. I have no friends at this point. I have one girlfriend and I was pretty heavily in, in, you know, spurts of depression on and off. I had a lot of anxiety and I, in that moment, I was like, I feel so called to do this. I didn't even know why I immediately joined the application process. I immediately got accepted to it. And then I started traveling the world with a mastermind group and it's, it's so amazing because in that space, I had only really been able to do the mirror work of like, oh, here's how my unconscious patterns are showing up in my relationship with my partner, Tommy. Okay. But now going into like a mastermind where everybody else is like, hey, I'm coming here to do healing work. I now had all these other mirrors of people who were very down to do their inner work. And what happens sometimes when we start diving into like, personal development or like changing, reprogramming ourselves and changing our patterns. Mm -hmm. It sometimes really negatively affects the relationships we already have, whether it's our partners or our parents, right? If you stop having this codependency that you have with your mom, she might take it personal. Oh yeah. No, I, yes. So Mm -hmm. what's important is when you do commit to a journey of like, I want to show up for myself. Like I want to have boundaries. I want to do like my inner child healing. I want to know why I show up the way I do and what's possible for me. Who could I become? Mm-hmm. What are these patterns that kind of haunt me, the self-sabotage, like whatever those destructive behaviors are, I know that I can be different. And when I go to be different, the people around me that are, are codependent with me, that, that need me for their energy supply, it's going to affect them. And so how can I stand up for myself and on my own and, and really show up in that space? And so I was able to find community that they didn't give a fuck how I was changing. They were just like stoked for it. And they yeah. wanted to hear my stories and they wanted to share their stories with me. And they weren't attached to me not changing because we didn't have codependency. We were strangers. Yeah. And that was so healing for me. So going into this container, there was, you know, originally like oh, nearly probably a couple hundred of us. Wow. We traveled around the world together. So uh, like hundreds of you would all, would you meet at like, is yeah. it like, like I would say like not like maybe a hundred of us sometimes less would meet out of everybody. Okay. But we'd have weekly challenges. We would, you know, we would have a lot of content being put out. We would do zoom calls, but then we would also meet up every single quarter. And so wow. going into these experiences, like the very first experience I went into, I'm very much the kind of person that's like, try at the beginning, I was very scarce. I was like, I have no friends. I just have to meet everybody. So the first meetup we had, I'm running around like a crazy person, not really connecting with anyone because I'm like, you only have five minutes to talk to me because I have to go meet somebody else. Yeah. And I watched myself do that. And then at the end of it, I was like drained. And then I watched myself go to Tulum and I was like, okay, when I get to Tulum, I want to manifest five people. 
to experience out of all of these people, who are the people that are in most alignment with me that we're going to sit down and it's just going to, we're going to tap into flow. Mm -hmm. Like it's just going to be really natural between us and whatever conversations they are. I'm not looking for everything. I'm just looking to feel connected Mm -hmm. because that's what I'm missing. And I could tell that that's what I was missing because me and my partner at the time, we were unable to connect. I would say like, I need connection from you. And he would be like, we're together all the fucking time. Like, what else do you need? Yeah. And I would be like, I would feel guilty. Like, I don't know. Why is that not enough for me? Yeah. And too, I feel like the the biggest thing that I see, especially with couples that live together is they're like, yeah, we're together all the time, especially in COVID. But like, Mm -hmm. I've said this, that's not quality time. Mm -hmm. Unless you are like, phones off, like literally paying a hundred percent, like attention to one another. Maybe that's just like you guys going on a walk or it's you having like a romantic dinner, Mm -hmm. unless you're like fully invested in that person and your fucking phone isn't there Mm -hmm. or you're doing 800 other million things. You're Mm -hmm. really not giving the person the time, energy, love at all, whatever it is. Yeah. And you do get too comfortable with one another. And that's that, that safety of the monogamous container that, you know, our parents passed down to us and it's, it's kind of just, it, it wrecks intimacy. It really does. You, you get into familiarity, but not necessarily intimacy. And so when I did open our relationship, what's, what I found was that I actually opened our relationship to run away from intimacy. And this is the most common kind of mistake that I feel like people make when they open their relationship is they use open relationship as a way to not fully become intimate with the person that they really want intimacy with. Because we know that like, there's just like, this person likes me for these reasons. And I know that, but I also have this other side of me, you know, maybe the dark feminine. That's like a little kinky sexually. And like Mm -hmm. my partner, I feel afraid to talk to him about it. And I don't have to talk to this guy about it because he brought it up first. So he makes a great sexual partner because Mm -hmm. now I'm able to go and experience intimacy about this one thing that I feel safe with him with that I don't feel safe with him. But what that does is that pulls me away from showing up in partnership and saying, I'm scared of these parts of myself. I'm afraid that you're going to reject them. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to fully have my needs met and that I'm going to come to a place where I have to decide if I want to compromise on the things that matter most to me because I love you and I don't want to lose you. And who the fuck talks like that? I didn't talk like that in my relationships. No, like I do now, but the amount of work I've had to do to sit down and to say, I feel very sovereign in who I am. I feel extremely centered and I am honestly okay to lose you if that means I won't lose myself, but I don't think it's going to get to that. I just Mm -hmm. can feel that I've been holding back on this one thing that really matters to me. And for a lot of people, it's sexual stuff. I feel like, yeah. Well, and too, it's the most, what's funny is I feel like what's crazy is like how you may talk to your girlfriends is so different than how you would talk to your partner for a lot of people. They're like, Oh yeah, I want to do X, Y, Z. Or did you guys just say 50 shades of gray or whatever it is versus then you talking about that in the the bedroom and being like, Hey, I want to go to a sex shop or I want to go, I don't know, do whatever, have a threesome, whatever your vibe is, whatever your cup of tea. And I think that that's really hard for a lot of people to then say that, especially when they're comfortable. And they've said, Oh, well, we've been doing missionary for the past 10 years, you know, or whatever that is. And they're like, when, where the hell did this come from? And for me, what was crazy is I had already done all the like crazy things, the butt stuff, the, the threesome, the, you know, like whatever that kinky stuff was, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, it wasn't that, that I was lacking. I was lacking deep, like passionate, connected, present sex 
that was really, I, I needed somebody to facilitate sexual healing for me because I had had sexual trauma and I felt very unsafe. And then in my partnership, my, my long-term three-year partnership, because there was like sexual dysfunction between our relationship, I felt a lot of like neglect and I felt a lot of rejection. And so when I was looking, what I was looking for in a partner was someone that I didn't have this language then, but it was like, I want somebody that's obsessed with me that I can be like, oh, I have sexual trauma. And they'll be like, whatever you need, I'll just hold space for you. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately that's what I was looking for. And I found that, but because I wasn't able to be in truth with either of the men and verbalize and acknowledge, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. I really need this for my healing and for me to feel fulfilled and for me to feel safe. I wasn't communicating that to either of them. So what was I doing? I was manipulating both of them to get the outcome that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then they feel that energy. Energy doesn't lie. We always feel when somebody has an agenda or when they're moving their energy in kind of a way that's like not directly in truth. It's like, what are we really doing here? Mm -hmm. And that started to really weigh on me. And the other thing is that my partner at the time was very avoidant. So everything that we were doing, like me going out, flying out here and I was dating this guy and, you know, I'm coming out here, I'm sleeping with him. I'm, I'm having fun with him. I'm falling in love with him. And my partner is not okay with it, but he won't speak up about it. And so that really damaged a lot of things in the end for us. And now we've come back together. It's been extremely beautiful. And I told myself I wasn't going to be in an open relationship anymore. I was ready to like be in a sacred union. And I, I I wanted to have like that monogamous container that was conscious where I was still practicing the principles of open without actually engaging sexually with other people, which is very much what I'm in right now. And it's still shifting because the, the sexual component of it, it's less about like, I'm not like, I'm not telling my partner he can't ever sleep with anybody else. But it's not, it's never going to be about sex. I'm not interested in being in a relationship with someone who's just like fiending for like a new sex experience. Let me know. I would literally do whatever it takes as long as it does not make me feel unsafe to fulfill whatever that fantasy is for you. If that's some grimy ass like role playing, if Mm -hmm. that's, you know, if whatever it is, if it feels dark to me or if it feels scary to me, that's an opportunity for us to lean into intimacy and to communicate about why I feel unsafe about it, why you feel unsafe to communicate, what you really want, how what you want makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're not going to do it that night. And maybe it'll be a multiple conversation. Well, it thing. will be multiple conversations. Yeah. Like In order to lean into safety and reciprocity, we need to be in a conversation about sex or whatever it is our desires are mm-hmm. in the way that, okay, when I tell you what I need, I don't, I need to feel that you're like unattached. Like, okay, okay. That makes sense. Like I can feel with that. But if I'm sitting there talking to my partner and he's like, like really aggressively, like I can feel that his energy is like, this is the only way that I'm going to be happy. And it's like, they're rolling their eyes or they have that energy. That's like, they're not in a state of grace with you. Then you're not going to feel safe. And then if you compromise your safety in a sexual experience, it will create trauma. Yeah. And it will, it will continue to build and build and build. And that's where you'll see like women getting multiple infections or like they're, you know, they, they stop lubricating properly or like whatever the, all the functions I had in my past relationships all came from me refusing to listen to my body and what made me feel safe. And again, it's not that it's never going to feel safe. It's that our ability to just continue to communicate those things will give us the space to then see that our partner is willing to wait and be patient and mm-hmm. have grace with us. And like all of the things that make a part that makes a partnership, a partnership that's really worth having, like that's intimacy, that, that intense presence of I'm willing to tell you my truth and what I need. I'm willing for it to create an experience for you. I will hold space and be patient for you and work with you in this experience. Mm -hmm. And then I hope that we can get to a point where you'll be able to hold space and work with me through the experience that I want to have. Like that's the fucking pinnacle of a relationship. And the space that I'm in right now is I have found that with two people and 
my, the person I found it with first was not a sexual category. We were actually best friends first. We've been traveling the world for a couple of years. Did you find him through the mastermind or how did, did okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had wondered, I was like, Hmm, I wonder if that's like how you guys met. Okay. So you like, so it's kind of all, I always like love to think of like life is kind of like pebbles and just stones Mm -hmm. and then boulders. Oh shit. Like hitting the Mm -hmm. mic. But yeah. So it's like, okay, you signed up for this mastermind, met this person who was friends now in a relationship with like, it's like ding, ding, ding. mm -hmm. We got kind of close over the course of the first year in 2019 while I was in the mastermind. I was not super attracted to his personality. Physically, he's like one of the most beautiful men I've ever met. He's Croatian. He's, he's just beautiful. He's like 6'3". He's, he's buff. Mm-hmm. He's tan. He's all the things. He's funny. And the thing about him that I was just not like repelled by was that he's very much a bro. And at the time, I was looking for this spiritually awoken, conscious man, <laughs> you know, that was going to speak like a very specific language so that I could feel some way about myself. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm spiritual because I have a spiritual man or whatever. Yeah. It's really funny how we, how our ego gets in the way of that, the spiritual ego. So I met him. We kind of, it was like, I had closer friends. We were all in the same friend circle. There was really like a group of five of us. And I was the only female in it. Cause I had a really hard time in 2019 at the beginning making friends with women. And I, the amount of healing I've done now, like I have so many girlfriends, but at the time it was just me and the boys. And I've always been one of the boys. And so Bo was somebody that wasn't super, super close to me. He was more close to some of the guys I was close to. And then over the course of 2019, he had a girlfriend that didn't super support like his growth, him spending time with people that weren't her. And so that kept us in a distance. And it was very much, I had my own things going on, my own partners. I was attracted to him physically, but not on a, like emotional, spiritual level. And then towards the end of the year on my birthday, like almost exactly a year ago, he actually broke up with his partner and it was such a life changing experience. It was like him saying, I'm not going to compromise on who I am anymore. And we started traveling as a group again, even though things were going on, we would still, we prioritized spending time together. We knew that that was the most healing thing for us. And Mm -hmm. so we did it very responsibly. We would meet up, we met up in Joshua tree and, uh, Bo and I decided to, we were really butting heads a lot in that, in that time. He was trying to figure out who he was. I was figuring out who I was and we're spending a lot of time together, but we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. He's very masculine. He has very structured life. He sees things. He's a chiropractor. He sees things through like science and practicality and Mm -hmm. like all the things that I, I think are important, but I don't really fuck with because I see everything as energy. I see, which, you know, science and energy, they're, they're one and the same. But for me, I take a very feminine approach. I like novelty. I like something new every day. I like to explore things. I like to feel into something and then make a decision. And it's a lot less practical than the way that he approaches it. And so we get to Joshua Tree. We're butting heads. Everybody's there with us. They're like, are you guys going to make it? Like, this is not something enjoyable to be around. Mm-hmm. And then we all decide to drop into a medicine space. And so we all take some psilocybin, which is magic mushrooms. I take four grams, Bo takes five or six. And you know, in those settings, sometimes you're all together and you're dancing and it's like beautiful. And then other times everybody drops in and everyone goes to separate rooms and you don't see each other for four hours. And so how, okay. So for people who are like, not even, they're like, okay, I've heard about mushrooms. I've heard, yeah. heard them here and there are microdosing or like hot yeah. topics that are kind of popping in. What's a space for someone that wants to start doing that yeah. or maybe wants to dive into that? I mean, set and setting is, is everything. And there's a lot of, inf- there's a lot of podcasts and information about how to really properly drop into ceremony with people, but being really clear on your intentions, understanding that your body is a vessel for all of the communication and the energy that you're going to move and create awareness around and be able to acknowledge and to shift out of like 
medicine experiences can be extremely profound for moving old energy and kind of like disrupting loops, thought loops that are happening, behavioral loops that are happening. However, it all comes down to safety. You know, going into an experience where you're able to really go into your energy field and into all of the things that exist in the quantum realm, your thoughts, your ideas, your desires, your emotions, all of the things you can't see and move things around. You really need to have an environment that you feel extremely safe in one that, you know, you know, somebody's not just going to show up out of nowhere. You know, you want to make sure that it's, it's going to be with people that you feel extremely safe to cry in front of, to laugh in front of, to express yourself in front of. And if you don't have those, any, anyone like that, then I would suggest you doing it with like a psychotherapist, you know, somebody. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Is there, so there's people that all essentially take you through a journey. And I mean, with, with everything getting legalized, it's only a matter of time before we have these, these places popped up. And I would suggest somewhere that really has a lot of reverence for the medicine and where it comes from and and takes more of like a tribal approach rather than like a clinical approach. Like the, the ketamine, you know, infusions that people do in clinics in, you know, for like mental health institutes, it's, it's sketchy. Like they leave you in a dark room by yourself. They're not setting prayers over you. They're not checking in with you. It's like, there's not a lot of that. And then again, understanding your body is the vessel for all of these things moving. So how you've eaten and, and what you've put in your body energetically leading up to that place, all of that energy is going to be present with you. So if you don't want the energy of like low vibration foods and low vibration music and other substances in your body that have like decreased your vibration or spending time with people that you know are not in a higher vibration and you go into that ceremony, all of that's going to exist in the field with you and you're going to experience all of it. So really setting yourself up for success and being very intentional about how you go into that space is the best advice that I can give and start way smaller. You can always take more and you can never take less. Yeah. You're like, Oh shit. Yeah. 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 So uh, definitely working your way up. Yes, 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 yes. Like start with microdosing for sure. Allowing yourself to just get acquainted. And it's kind of like anything else. Like you're doing a dance and you're becoming in a relationship with something court the medicine, the same way you would court a partner, like being really curious, not being attached. Don't come into it with an agenda. This is what I want to get from you. If that's how you approach the medicine, everything in life is a is reflecting back to your own energy. So you create your reality. And if you have an agenda with the world and you're like, I'm coming here to take the world will continue to reflect that type of energy back to you Mm -hmm. through everyone around you and everything around you. So that's, that's the advice for that. And I have been doing medicine journeys for the last couple of years with the same group of friends. That is why our relationships are so deep and so incredibly beautiful because we have shown our asses to each other yeah. you know, in every, in every way mm-hmm. and, and moved through so much. We have so much respect for each other and reverence for each other's journeys and like the, the whole human experience, how incredibly complex it is. And then to, you know, show up in your truth with the traumas that you have and the way that you feel others will perceive you if you show up in that truth and the fear of abandonment and being alone and mm-hmm. isolated or not enough, like all those things, everyone has that. You know, so being able to come to a place where you can experience that and have other people around you that you, you eventually, you know, say that thing that you've never said before. And it's like, this is the one thing you think that will make people leave you. And then all the people are like, oh, that's so cute. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And you're like, you had this idea in your head the whole time that this was, this was the end all be all. This was like, if you said it, people were going to leave. That's so, that's such an interesting. And yeah, yeah. I had a girl come on the podcast and she talked about ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And so you would recommend for someone like starting out, would you say like a microdose of mushrooms or like what's, what would you 
recommend? Yeah, I would recommend microdosing psilocybin as the number one thing to do because what it will allow you is the reprogramming. It's incredible for neuroplasticity. So really, really allowing your brain to rewire the way that you interpret information. So from your history of your childhood, the way that you interpret the world again, typically happens through the lens of something that was created between the ages of one and five. So how you see the world at 20 years old is still very likely the same lens of how you saw the world at five. It's just a time gap. So if you can see in a psilocybin ceremony, it's going to show you like the strands, like take a look at a, a pattern that you have that normally you would just be playing out in a psilocybin experience. You might actually be able to create different thoughts that lead you to the root of where that comes from. And in that process, you're able to completely disrupt how you engage with that energy in that moment and then choose how you would like to engage with it moving forward. That's what boundary work is all about too. So that's why I love, you know, the combination of those two things. And with psilocybin, you're able to access higher states of consciousness that really get you out of like the surface level things. It kind of peels. That's what it feels like, right? When you kind of drop into it, it feels like a layer of yourself being peeled off and it feels very raw, very uncomfortable for some people, like fresh new skin that you don't really know if you want anybody to touch. It's like, oh, it feels gross to touch it. It doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. You know, and you seeing that layer of yourself, it's like, holy shit. I've just been living with this callous layer on top of me that I don't even really enjoy anymore, but I also do not like this feeling of being raw and understanding that you're not going to be raw forever. Like over time, that too will become callous and then it will become time to shed into the next layer. And that's what beautiful plant medicines provide for us is our ability to peel back our own layers to access the infinite layers that do exist within one person as the whole universe inside themselves. And we're a whole ecosystem of innate intelligence that works. I mean, our whole bodies are a proof of that Mm -hmm. and it's, it's really beautiful. So that would be my suggestion. If diving into the idea of wanting to do inner work through plant medicine work, which psilocybin would be the top. That's amazing. Yeah. Perfect. Take notes, everyone. (laughs) So Bo and I, we hit the psilocybin ceremony. We separate, we're all in different rooms. We're all having different experiences. My ex-partner is there at the time. He's also good friends with my guy friends. So I've got him there. I've got Bo there. And then Bo and I end up having this experience where he comes out of the bedroom. He's been crying. I've been crying. I'm in this, you know, full experience where I'm seeing fractals. I'm seeing sacred geometry. I'm sitting outside in the sun by myself, just seeing the bigger picture of it all. And he sits down with me and I just see him soften and like something that's so healing for women in the feminine is to watch a man soften because the ability to soften means that you are very grounded in who you are. Mm -hmm. Men do not soften when they're scared. Yeah. No, it's the opposite. Yeah. They become extremely hard. I mean, yeah. Yeah, So whatever work he was doing in that bedroom allowed him to get really fucking clear on who he was. And he no longer felt like he needed to be guarded with me. And so he comes outside and he says, I've been guarded with you, you know, because like, I don't feel safe with a lot of your language. It just feels very whimsical. And, you know, but at the same time, I feel very overworked. I feel like my life has so much structure that 
I just want to be free. And I can see the energy coming up through his face and like leaving him as he's softening and as he's accepting this truth that there is not just one truth and that Mm -hmm. his truth is just a part of it. And that the whole purpose of us having each other in community is to give each other some language for how to become more free and more aligned. Like we're all here creating resonance for each other. Whatever you relate to that I say it will, you'll adopt it naturally. And it like opens something inside of you. And so we had this beautiful experience where he softened, which softened me, which is very hard to do in my past. I'm very masculine. I'm very guarded. I'm very, this is the way that it is. And Mm -hmm. in softening so much in that moment, it was just like, I felt so, I felt more safe with him than I'd ever felt with anyone in that moment. And that was really where we started to like fall in love. It was every trip after that we would leave each other. And then we would, we would be more like, all, we would be constantly together. Like the next trip, it was like, we were inseparable and you know, we're right now we're taking walks together. And, but it was always like our friends were the ones planning, you know, for us to come together. It wasn't until later in the year last year that we decided that we were going to start spending time like just us. And it's, it's been really beautiful to connect with him in that way because we feel safer and safer with each other every time. And every time, like if one of us isn't texting the other person, it's like, I'm, we're sending each other so many songs. Like I'm in, more in love with you now than I've ever been. And And what ended up happening was at the end of last year, I was like, I'm ready for partnership. And this person is meeting all of these things. I want to be in a monogamous container. I want to have sexual healing. I want to be with somebody that really sees me and fills my cup. I want to be with somebody that's aligned and Bo meets about 80 to 90% of those things. And so that's where I started pushing for a relationship with him. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, like, you know, like I'm in love with you. And he's like, I'm in love with you too. And then I'm like, okay, well, like maybe we can start moving into a sexual practice. And he's like, no. No, I'm, I'm in love with you. And the way that we have our relationship is so safe to me. Like, this is one of the most important relationships in my life. Like you've changed my life. I do not, I'm in a space where sex to, to what sex means to me as Adrian and what sex means to him as Bo, very different places. That's where that, you know, t- 10 to 20% is not in alignment. But when you have something that's so aligned, you'll do anything to have it. And you'll start actually compromising. It's like, ah, oh, do I really need that 10 to 20%? Like mm-hmm. maybe my sexual practice isn't, isn't that important to me. Maybe like I have all these other things that he's fulfilling, but maybe I'm just down to like have fun, casual sex. Like what he's doing, you know, with other people or like, you know, he, he always jokes. He's like, I got seven more years of doing what I want. And that's, that's slowly getting less and less as mm-hmm. he's around me and my friends and like all the babies that are being born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe I got four more years yeah. of doing what I want. <laughs> Little by little, he's like, hold the newborn. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly. And so, you know, that relationship has been by far one of the most healing relationships I've ever had with a man. To have a man who wants everything with you and for you and isn't tainting it with, you know, being aware of his own like sexual desires and needs and knowing that they're not really in alignment and that that's not that that's not the highest priority. The highest priority is for us to like really be there for each other and support each other and keep everything really clean, clean lines of communication, truth, honesty, but also boundaries. And he's been one of the greatest teachers for me of boundaries. I teach boundaries to other people, but the area that I struggle with is not setting boundaries. It's honoring another person's boundaries. When somebody says no, because of my childhood, my parents never really said no, no doesn't mean no to me. No means not right now. You have to just find a better way to get what you want. 
which has been a value add in a lot of things in my life because I'm able to get so many crazy things accomplished. I, mm-hmm. I ask for everything I want. I assume people will say yes. And if they don't, I'm like, huh, all right, well, maybe it's just not right now. But in this context, me wanting to be in this relationship with Bo and him being like, I don't want that with you. I, I want exactly what we have. I love what we have. That, that allowed me to see just how much I was willing to manipulate him to get what I wanted. And eventually we were together in December and he just drew such a hard line in the sand. And he was like, I am not available for you to continue to try to manipulate me to get what you want. Because honestly, it might happen at some point. And like, that's not the way that I want this to happen. Like, I know what I want from you and I know what I'm willing to give you. And like, I've communicated these things. And imagine if the roles were reversed, like how many women have a guy friend that they just want to be friends with, but like, he's just waiting to fuck them. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much what I was doing. It was like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just waiting for us to have sex and I'll know we're compatible. Then we can get married. Then we can do the whole thing. Yeah. And, and you're like house, there. babies, dogs, yeah, like I'm yeah. doing the, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, that's what I was ready for what I want. But he's sitting here saying, I'm not available for that. I'm available for everything else. I'll travel the world with you, build businesses with you. Like I will love you. I will, you know, I'll adore you. I'll do all these things. I'll be present with you. I'll do healing work with you, but I'm not going to do that. You know, so that was a huge lesson for me. And again, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll just go find someone else. And and in that moment, like I ended up actually meeting someone that I'm doing kind of the partnership dance with this person is at this point, 99%. Like I feel like we are such a match. I don't feel like I'm compromising on anything as of right now. This is the person I would love to build my future with. And what I was afraid of was, you know, I want to be in this monogamous thing. I'm not open. I don't want to do open relationship. I saw how bad it went the first time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a way to hide intimacy, do all of these things. Like when one person's not meeting your needs, you go to the other person and then that, the other person that's not meeting your needs kind of feels lack. And it's like, it's confusing. Mm-hmm. That was my experience. And so with this new partnership that I have, I was worried that it would change and shift how me and Bo were, but it was so important to me to keep what Bo and I had that when I was manifesting my new partner, I was like, I'm unavailable for someone who cannot hold space for what I have with Bo in a friendship category. Since we're not having sex right now, since we're, that's the decision that we've made together that we're okay moving forward and being in our friendship and our relationship dynamic that we're in. But I need somebody to be able to understand that. And what's so crazy is the the man that I met, he had already been in open relationship with a man and a wife. And it was, you know, one of the more complex situations because there's children involved and, and they had just gotten done doing their dance earlier this year. And so he came into the relationship having so much context and so much space for unconventional types of relationships and all the locate, all the language and vocabulary that they had used from their mistakes and like their challenges and, and their successes as well. He had come into that space. And because I had had my open relationship with my ex Tommy, I was able to hold space for the detachment process that he was going through with his ex and how much there was still stuff that needed to be cleaned up and needed to be communicated. And there was still old pains. Like I still have that with Tommy. So I could hold space for what he's going through with his ex and he can hold space for what I'm going through with Bo. And so now we're in this place where we've been spending some time together as big friend groups and my partner that I have now and Bo, they've been getting to know each other. They've been kind of falling in love themselves in a, like just in a brotherhood kind of way. And there's not a lot of competition just because there is so much communication. And the number one thing that I found is that they both know where they stand with me and I know where I stand with them. Mm-hmm. Like with Christian, I stand in the space of saying like, you are chosen. I want to build a future with you. I want to build a life with you. 
That does include Bo, but you are the primary person that I'm going to make sure we are good. Our foundation is the most important thing to me. My foundation with Bo is also very important, but I want to make sure that one foundation doesn't start to fracture the other foundation. Like, what do I really want in that space? And if, if there's something, my partner with my future husband, with my, you know, the father of my children, if there is a shift that needs to occur in other relationships in order for this one, for not, not necessarily like one needs to be stronger than the other. It's that if there's something going on in a relationship that keeps creating like pain points in this relationship and the foundation, it's what those pain points are doing is they're showing where there's faults in the foundation. Yeah. That makes so, a, that makes a ton yeah, of sense. So what I would do is I would just say, Hey Bo, I'm going to take a little bit of space from you. We're going to work more on some foundational stuff and then we'll, we'll kind of come back together and we'll continue to keep the conversation open. This doesn't mean he's not allowed to be around or any of those things. It's more of, and I honestly don't think it's ever going to get to that point with them because of how much we communicate and how open we are about everything that's going on. But this weekend coming into San Diego and spending the weekend with just the two of them for the first time. And there was this moment where we were longboarding. We're in Venice beach where all the basketball courts are and the sun's going down and we turn on music. We're kind of dancing as like this little love triangle that's going on. And I leave to go get a coffee and I come back and I'm just watching the sunset and I'm staying far enough away from them. Cause I'm, I'm just want to enjoy my coffee and watch the sun go down. And I look over and they're dancing like goofballs and they're laughing. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, they're just hugging and they're holding for each other for such a long time. And I don't know what they were talking about, but then they separate, they start dancing again, they're yeah. their arms, mm-hmm. but then they come back in and they hug each other again and they like lean away from each other. And they're just kind of like looking at each other and whatever they're saying, like they're in such deep truth that their bodies are capable of being that close to each other. If you're lying to someone, you don't get close to someone. No, you you're like, in the eyes, no, like, yeah, you're ready to go. Get the fuck out. If there's any unspoken energy, you are not going to be like staring at another person, mm-hmm. embracing them and like holding their gaze. Like it's, that's why eye gazing is like, it's the OG move. If you think your partner is not being in truth with you, ask them to eye gaze with you for five minutes and then not break eye contact while they tell you what's going on. Yeah. You will find out everything and watching them do that. It just like, it really shows and represents so much of the healing work that they've done as men to be able to show up in this space. And it also reflects to me the healing work that I've done as a woman to be able to attract partnership, not only with one person, but with two where they can show up and be in truth with me and each other. And so I'm in a whole different type of open relationship right now that I never planned on being in. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I have a lot of like people are going to have, and I know this just because yeah. the TBB, TBB babes are going to be like, okay, like now I have like nitty gritty questions because me and the boyfriend literally coming back today, we're like, okay, so for example, mm-hmm. you guys go on a lot of trips together. Yeah, how do you guys, how does that work with the three of you guys on trips together when you're all in a group, like for me, like I'm a super touchy feely, like, hello, come over, you know? And then you give your partner space and they're talking with people and you're talking with people. How does that work between all of you guys? Because you you know, whether, okay, let's say you're sitting around a damn campfire or something like, are they both sitting by you? Does it not really matter? Like, are you holding hands with one of them and not the other? Like, those are all very nitty gritty things, but like, those are like kind of a practical real world example that I could think of. Yeah. Yeah. I got into town and I came and stayed with Bo for three days in San Diego before Christian got into town. I slept in the bed with Bo 
and we, we went out and we had a whole day of just like, he took me on like six different types of dates. We went and we did longboarding. We went and got cocktails. We went to get food and then we went to a kava bar. And then afterwards we went home and we did foam rolling and like just laid, you know, laid and hung, hung out and cuddled. And mm-hmm. our relationship is like very touchy feely because both mine and Bo's love languages are quality time and physical touch. So when we're together, we are never on our phones or if I'm on my phone, he will take it out of my hand and he'll be like, I need you to be present with me. Mm-hmm. And then physical touch. So like a lot of times he'll give me like massages, body work, you know, whatever that looks like. And Christian knows that all those things are going down. There's, and he doesn't even really ask because again, Christian knows that he's chosen at no point. Is it going to become like, well, I like Bo more than you. There are times where I do like Bo more than Christian in certain Mm -hmm. moments where he's filling my cup up more, but I know the long game. I'm clear. I'm clear on what I want. So for, for all of us, it is so important. If you're not clear about what you want, you it's all going to come out in an open relationship. It's all going to come out in a relationship in general. Mm-hmm. So that was how it started. And then Bo and I drove up to LA. We picked up Christian from LAX. And when we get in the car, you know, I haven't seen Christian for a couple of days. So he's loving all over me. He's hugging all over me. And, and Bo's in a space where he understands and knows like where he fits in as well. And he doesn't want everything from me. He just wants to continue having the same relationship we had before which is just love and intimacy and depth and friendship and all of that with, you know, as long as even though I'm with Christian. And so we got an Airbnb that had two different bedrooms. I sleep with Christian. Bo has his own room and Mm -hmm. you know, the potential if a girl comes and hangs out with him, then he's got space for her. But we're, you know, we're, we've all slept in the same bed together. We've all slept in separate beds together. I'll sleep with Bo if Christian's not around, but if Christian's around, I'm going to sleep with him Mm -hmm. because that's my partner. That's who I'm having active, actively having sex with. Like that's the Mm -hmm. person that I want to go to bed at night with for the remainder of however long we're going to do this dance. And then there was moments like where when we go to the beach, I, sometimes I feel more drawn to like hug on bow, but it's such an energetic thing. It's, it's never because I'm trying to meet one of their needs or I'm like, a bow looks like he needs affection for me now. That's none of my fucking business. Mm-hmm. That's not my business. My business is to stay in my center and to know who I am and what I want in that moment and to be, in, in reverence to both of these men. So if at some point I'm not giving Christian any attention and I realize that I would, I would stop it instead of being like, okay, I'm going to go over there and give him attention now. Like that's very external. The process of work is internal. It's, huh, I feel so drawn to Bo today. And I'm like, does that mean I'm less drawn to Christian? And I would probably just take space for myself to just sit and like navigate through that. But that kind of stuff doesn't come up that often because these guys, they love each other so much and their friendship and their foundation, their building is so important that, you know, the competitiveness that they have, it's not really about me. It's about them competing, like, like them using each other's inspiration to become better men, not just Mm -hmm. for me, but for themselves and for other people, for their future partners, for, you know, whatever's going on, their future children. And then there was a moment where, you know, we're in the car and we actually had this conversation, like Christian obviously touches me whenever, but also like not having a level of entitlement Christian, just because he's my primary partner, he is not entitled to me. He's not entitled to my energy. He's not entitled to sex. He's not entitled to my time. No one is entitled to your energy. No one, no one, no one, no one. It doesn't matter. Like your children. Yes. When they're young, Mm -hmm. but over time you teach them boundaries so that they understand that they're not entitled to anyone's energy and no one's entitled to their energy. That's the most important lesson that we're going to learn while we're on this planet. And so with that, you know, Bo's sitting there 
I ended up crying because I was just like frustrated and I felt like tired. I was bleeding. I was just like, Oh, I've had mm-hmm. a long weekend. It's a lot of emotions. And I just have this little cry. It lasts for maybe five minutes. You know, both guys reach over to like console me. Bo's got his hand on my leg and, and Christian's behind me in the back seat. And I reach over and I hold Bo's hand because I feel so connected to how much he's held space for my journey. And I feel, I can feel how safe I feel with him to cry and how safe I didn't feel with him at the beginning of the year. And so it was this acknowledgement energetically of like, I am so glad to be in this space where I feel safe to cry with you. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that with Christian because from the moment we met, I had an endometriosis. He's I cry. I cried with him like the first two days I knew him. Mm -hmm. So it's not the same feeling. I've always felt safe with Christian. It doesn't mean I'm not grateful for it. It's just in that moment, I'm holding Bo's hand because I'm thinking about him. And then Christian's holding on to me. And at no point, if Christian ever felt like, oh, wow, she grabbed Bo's hand, like that's his mm-hmm. work. If he's sitting there like feeling lack because I'm showing affection and love to another person, they both know that the if I'm, if, you, if this person's filling my cup and I'm engaging and I'm in love with this person, all it does is it adds to this one. And the work in the under is the undercurrents that happen in between. It's all the thoughts that Christian's having around how, you know, maybe he is not meeting my needs as much as Bo is. But that conversation isn't that I'm going to choose Bo. It's, hey, if you're perceiving that someone else is showing up more for someone that you love, you can look at yourself and say, is there something that I'm not showing up enough for? Am I, is there more that I could give that I'm not? You know, am I not being present enough? And if the answer is I'm actually doing the best that I can, and I still feel like I'm not doing enough. That's your personal work. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with me. And whether or not Bo was there in the car or in the house or in the other relationship, that's, that would still be your work because that work was there probably before the age of five, right? So it's, it's these things, this open relationship that people are getting into. Cause it's like, it's such a hot thing right now. Like a mm-hmm. lot, especially millennials and like the, the, the younger generation. Well, and too, I mean, honestly, when people think about it, they're like, ah, I just get to fuck multiple people. That's like literally, I would say yeah. the basic mm-hmm. of like what people think of it as. Yeah. Almost. And that's, so that's not my, that's not my situation at all. Um, I'm not an open relationship for sex. I'm an open relationship in this, in this specific situation, because there are two men in my life that the way that they show up, not even for me, but for themselves inspires and impacts me so much that I'm able to feel a level of safety that I was never able to feel in any other container that I've been in. That safety has provided a space for me to come into my truth and my purpose in a way that lets me serve my community to the highest having both of them in my life, I am a better person because of the reflection that they provide for me. They not only reflect to me how their integrity is and how I want to match that integrity. They also reflect to me the healing work that I still need to do. And they remind me that no one is perfect because in their moments of being flawed, I still get the opportunity to choose to love them not to withdraw my love, not to go and try to find someone else that fits that better, mm-hmm. you know, and sex is, is just, just the highest form of intimacy. We have sex very backwards as a society. It's just like this thing. And we're just trying to come and like, get it over with and like get pleasure. Mm-hmm. We have an agenda and that's a very like toxic masculine. And no, no, it's not about men or women. It's just like, it's a toxic agenda oriented type of way of engaging with people. That's not intimacy. Intimacy is like truly feeling and being in reciprocity with another person's body because you've been in reciprocity 
reciprocity with their energy long before the sexual container happens. Like mm-hmm. if you're in reciprocity all day, really giving and receiving and giving and receiving to that person and holding space for them and letting them hold space for you. And it's a natural flow then it's going to naturally flow into this beautiful sexual experience that doesn't, doesn't end with being like, how many times did you come? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not, I'm not going to have a partner that asked me that. Like mm-hmm. I will never again have a partner who is like, his worth is based on how much, how many times he made me come. That's not what my sexual experiences are about. I want to experience myself and like depth. I want to experience God. I want to experience like, like having like shadow work come in and being like, Oh God. And instead of pushing it away and just like, okay, I'm just gonna have another orgasm. I'm going to start crying and I'm going to let my partner experience me in that space. And then when I get done crying, usually that's when I feel like screaming and like yelling and I get into like the wild feminine, right? Which then my partner's like, Whoa, what is this? Yeah. Where you're like, what's happening? Let's go. Right. Mm -hmm. Like men love that. Women love that raw side of our partners and their partners. And so that's, that's really where I feel like my open relationship is very different. My open relationship is, is, is less about having sex with other people and getting mine in different ways and having like two really hot guys and like the status and all of that, all of that stuff This has been going on for several months now. And this is the first time I'm sharing about it publicly. I haven't even shared about it on Instagram yet. How? Okay. So the next thing I think of is, so have you talked to your family about it? Oh yes. Okay. So how was that conversation? Because I feel like what is it? It's either, I don't know. It could, I mean, it's either going to go really good or I feel like because it's a new, it is a newer thing that's happening that at least people are publicly talking about. Mm -hmm. How did they react? So I I will say I, my family situation is like this and always has been, I do whatever the fuck I want. And if my family can't get behind me, it's okay. I'm good with being on my own. Mm -hmm. I have always been that way. And my family has been incredibly supportive of everything that I've ever done. My family is on board with my psychedelic use with open relationships. And some of my family actually engages in, in psychedelic use and is in open relationship as well. well so okay. Then I have, I have like mm-hmm. a perfect family, but what I will say is if you are somebody who you know that the way that your lifestyle is being lived, would what you perceive as it would negatively affect your their perception of you or them, you know, the thing is going to be like, I just don't want you to get hurt and la 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 la. Okay. First of all, recognize that another person's projection of them thinking that you're not capable of making your own decisions as a person and that you're not capable of manifesting a reality that's going to provide love and pleasure and security for you. That is a representation of their own distrust within themselves. If you don't trust that you have authority over how your life goes, then you will project onto other people that they also don't have authority. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. It's like, yeah. there's so many things. Like most of the time I used like this example the other day, one of my friends was saying like, she's going to so-and-so for business advice. Mm-hmm. Would you go to a gardener about business advice? Unless it's about gardening, probably not. Okay. If you're going to someone who's like, maybe your mom about this, that, and the other thing, and she has no experience is yeah. not successful is not yeah. like in that realm. Don't be talking to her about it. Totally. Like, and that's the thing, like your ability to recognize where, when, when you're going on your healing journey and you're making decisions that you're still trying to find grounding with, like, okay, I'm doing this open relationship thing and I, I feel, I feel good about it. I'm going to go forward, but I also don't feel like I know for sure what I'm doing. It's that's not the time to go into a conversation with someone who you already know is not going to be okay with it. What you're doing when you're doing that is you're looking for validation that what you're doing is okay. Stop looking for validation. 
stop fucking looking for validation that what you're doing is okay. You're never going to find it externally and it's never going to bring inner peace for you. You have to know by doing it, like get into an open relationship so that you can be like, fuck that. I, I know for sure that's not what I want versus like, is this the right thing? Like, God, is this the right thing? Like, mom, is this the right thing? Like asking these, this thing, like the universe is not outside of you. It's inside of you, your own internal world that you can connect with. And you can say, how does this taste for me? If it tastes good, like I'm moving closer to my truth, you know, and getting rid of the shame that comes along with wanting an unconventional life and, and just like realizing, okay, life actually has limitless, like unlimited possibilities. Like what do I Mm -hmm. want to experience? So the best advice that I can give, whether you're somebody that's interested in doing psychedelics and wants your family to know about it, or somebody that's interested in doing something unconventional, like open relationship is embodiment. There's there is no, nothing that speaks and resonates with people more than embodiment. Meaning that stop telling people what you're doing. Just start doing it. And being, be a living embodiment of what it means to live in your truth. Because when you start living in your truth, you will, you will vibrate at a level that is f- unreal. It will magnetize people to you from across the fucking world. I only have 7,000 followers on Instagram and I'm in between six and seven figures just from an Instagram account with 7,000 followers. That's, that's how intentional my content is and how intentional my messages are. When I speak less words, more direct, and it's in as much truth as I can possibly give another person. So when it hits, it fucking hits. Yeah. It's a very different experience. Like that's how resonance works. You can hear one word. And if it's said in the way that's like in truth and in passion and in love, like it, you're going to feel it ring throughout your whole body. So for me, when I first started doing psilocybin and like microdosing, I was like, this is the thing. And I told my family about it. And my family was like, okay. Like, Mm -hmm. and it was almost like I was like, I was attached to them doing it and like also attached to them being okay that I was doing it. And this lasted for about a year. And then I stopped talking about it. And instead of trying to get other people to do psilocybin, so it would make me feel better about me doing psilocybin, I just continued to like ground into why I was doing that and why, what I was searching for. And I got so fucking happy. I, I got filled with so much inner peace. I was vibrating at such a high frequency. All I, I was loving the plants and the animals. And like, I was one with the universe and I felt connected to myself and to other people. And I also felt like I have this community of people that support what I'm doing. So even if you don't support it, like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. that's yeah. yours. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is very quickly, my sister, you know, she was like, what are you doing? Like, every time I'm around you, your energy is so good. You're so happy. And it's just like, whatever you're doing, I want some of it. Mm-hmm. You know, now my mom is in that same place. My mom's like st- really curious, like, you know, like, well, you know, maybe we could microdose together. Maybe we can. And it's because I, st- I stopped, I stopped asking mm-hmm. her to do it. And I just started living what it meant. Like, what does the practice actually embody? And I started embodying that. And the same thing with, you know, open relationship. It was like, I'm not going to go tell you why open relationship is so great. And like, this is how it is. And this is how it is. Instead, I'm just going to be motherfucking happy and I'm going to live in my truth and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to express the love that's being brought in by these two beautiful people and everyone else that's in my life. Cause it's not, you know, the open relationship is, is intimacy with whoever, like I've intimacy with my best friend, Ciara, you know, that's really beautiful. And I have intimacy with her partner, Austin. That's really beautiful. It doesn't have to be sexual to be intimate. And when I have that, I'm so full. When I go around my family, I'm serving them from that cup mm-hmm. and they want to know where do I get some of that? That makes a lot of sense. And then 
then you have the opportunity to share because people, when they can feel your attachment, it will make them lean away. And like, that's how science works. Imagine something darting at you very aggressively. You're going to lean back, but imagine this like beautiful orb of light that like, when you get closer to it, you actually feel pleasure pulsating through your body. You might not run towards it because you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but you are, over you're fascinated. Time, yeah. Over time, you're mm-hmm. going to get a little closer to it, you know, and mm-hmm. then very curiously, maybe want to touch it one day. That's, that's how I want to hold my energy. I want it to attract people who are curious, but also who are taking it slow. Don't mm-hmm. run at me full speed. You don't want that. Yeah. And I'm not going to run at you full speed because I don't want that. And that's the way that I engage. It's like really, and again, that's an entitlement thing. Like if I'm entitled to your energy, I'm going to come bulldozing, mm-hmm. right? Or if I feel like I have to overextend myself for you because you feel entitled, I'm going to let you bulldoze me. Instead, let's all just look at each other as like these beautiful orbs of energy that is so pure, like they don't owe you anything. You don't owe them anything. And the best way that you can do the dance with them is through like curiosity, truth, expression and getting close enough to where you can really feel how that energy affects you, how you interpret it, and then choose how you want to engage with it. And that is what I'm doing in my dance with, with both my partners and in both everyone that's in my life right now, ultimately, but these two men really being the ones that I'm doing the strongest dance with the most potent dance and the most intimate dance with at this moment. How do you start? So you do a lot of work with people on boundaries and then Mm -hmm. also like the inner child healing. Where does someone start with that? Because I feel like both of like those things you're like, Oh God. Like even like, you know, when you told us before there was like three different ones and I was like, Oh, I'm a little bit of that, but I'm a little bit of this. And I might be a touch of that. Like, how do you start out with someone who's coming to you? So I I have an inner child assessment that's like 60 to 90 minutes long. And what we do is the the easiest way for me to help them pinpoint certain things, because I could give you big books and you're going to read them. I've read all of those books and Mm -hmm. condense them down. And what I would look at is say, what is the biggest pain point in your life and how does it continue to repeat and show up? We would talk about that and I would help you understand where you're pretty much letting your power go. So really being able to have boundaries and feeling safe inside of your own experience to speak your truth and to live your truth comes down to how you are engaging with yourself and like how you have boundaries with yourself. And if you feel like you're giving your power away to something. So for instance, if you feel responsible for your partner's happiness, you're constantly giving away power to the idea of their happiness. When you start pulling back and you realize I'm actually not responsible for anybody's happiness, I'm only responsible for my own, then you stop leaking energy. And we all leak energy in a lot of different ways, which is what's draining to us. And then we have to compensate by pulling energy from something else, whether that's Mm -hmm. validation from social media, whether that's, you know, overworking out, whatever that, that thing is, if that's substance abuse, right? If it's excessive amounts of coffee, if your energy is drained by 3 PM, you can look at like there's energy leaks going on somewhere because Mm -hmm. when you live in your truth, you don't lose energy. Starting in that place where you recognize what are my patterns currently right now? Mm -hmm. How am I continuing to be stuck in these either thought loops or actual pattern loops that I know I don't actually want to be in and they're happening almost unconsciously. I'm, I'm having triggers come up. Like when I have a trigger, that's where I go into the repetitive pattern. And then that's where we can really look at where the energy leaks are. We can go back and look at a couple of those circumstances that dated back. And that pattern has been present with you for multiple years or sometimes even childhood. You'll be able to pinpoint kind of where you remember having engagement with that type of pattern early on. And then we would look at what are the boundaries you need to create with yourself to stop letting energy leak outside of you so that you can actually feel really full energetically on a daily basis so that when you are 
are engaging with other people or working or doing anything, you're actually living in like reciprocity with spirit and with the energy that's circling around you rather than just letting it leak out and then being like, fuck, I got to get it from coffee and got to do from here. Instead, it's like, how do you continue to keep yourself replenished every single day and keep anything that's moving towards you, towards your field that you're like, no, 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 I I don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't resonate with that. That's not something that I want to engage with and really having like authority over how you engage with your energy, your own energy, your own codependent patterns, your own, you know, programming that you came with that your parents Mm -hmm. passed down to you that, you know, have been here just based on society and being able to have the authority to recognize a pattern like that, disrupt it, create a boundary around it where you say, I'm not going to engage with energy like this anymore. And that's where you really start to see new patterns flourishing. And that's where generational healing really starts to happen as well. Because once you disrupt how you engage with, with energy unconsciously, you bring it into the light. That's how shadow work works. And then you heal that for the generations to come. That's so interesting. Yeah. I know. I'm like, all right, where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can, I, I have like the, the 60 minute thing that anyone that's listening to this, if you're like, oh, I just want to dive into my own inner child stuff. I don't even mm-hmm. know where to start. That call is to assess what your, what your patterns are, how they're bringing challenges to you, self-sabotage, whatever that looks like to place a couple boundaries into play, like really actionable steps. And I will always suggest a book. I have lots of books that I feel are really good, but each person's going to identify with one a little differently. And mm-hmm. so depending on what feels the most resonant for them, I'll share a book that I feel like would be a good recommendation. It's in alignment with their path. That's amazing. I want to touch on Aubrey Marcus because you guys are not only like friends, but you've gone to like all of his stuff. And that's mm-hmm. how like kind of what brought you into this. Mm-hmm. What are some things that like you've learned from him, not only like personally, but also professionally? Oh man, I feel like I learned so much from Aubrey and it's so, it's so beautiful because Aubrey has put out so much content. He's taught tons of workshops. He has, some content that I really resonate with. And my relationship with Aubrey is less of me listening to him speak. Like I haven't listened to his podcast in a, in a while. And I probably listened to maybe 20 episodes of every, any episode that he's ever recorded. And I've attended a couple of workshops. The thing that provides the most value with Aubrey is just getting to witness him and how he moves his energy in the in-between spaces. Like I know what it looks like for someone to be a leader. I know what it looks like for someone to be able to channel information and to be able to poetically speak in front of a crowd and understand the energetics of the room to know how to start shifting the conversation in a direction that's going to be the most healing for the collective. I already know how to do that. I've known how to do it forever. And the first time I saw Aubrey do it in Tulum in 2019... I remember listening to him give a speech that I know was not planned at all. He was just riffing and it was fucking beautiful. And I remember saying to myself, Oh my God, that's me. I do that. Mm -hmm. And so where I feel like I learned the most from Aubrey is really how he holds himself energetically. It's what I feel from him when I hug him. It's what I feel from him when I can tell that he's not really in the best mood or that something's in his field that is a little funky and just watching him sit with it and navigate it, you know, how he writes poetry, how he expresses himself, how he chooses to be in truth about all the shadows that come up for him. And one of the things that he said that really resonated with me is like, he feels, you know, he said, I feel like there's not a single shadow on this planet that I have not expressed within myself. And, you know, that's really dark. I resonate with that so much. Mm -hmm. And 
So for, for me, the relationship that I have with Aubrey that feels so special is I don't want anything from him and I can feel that he doesn't want anything from me. But what I do, the thing that I do want is like, I want him to be proud of me. So I feel there's a lot of things like when I first met him, you know, he represented kind of what, like the the archetype of a lover, like this is the type of man I I would want to date that I would want to be in relation with. And then he also represented a lot of my reflection of self. This is the type of person I am. This is what I'm capable of creating in life. And now he really has kind of shifted into like, I don't want to say like a father figure because he's not, he's not old enough really to do that. But this, this presence of the masculine in my life, that it's safe for me to go to him and express and he doesn't want anything from me, but to see me flourish. And if I'm not flourishing, then he will hold me accountable to the things that I said when I was in truth. And just watching him be is what has brought so much healing for me. And just watching the reflection of like what is possible for someone who is deeply emotional, deeply artistic, somebody who has struggled with so much shadow work and who has shared their truth with the entire world very publicly and who has made mistakes and who's gone back and said, oh, I don't think that was the way to do it, even though I released a lot of podcasts that said so. Mm-hmm. And really just living his fucking truth so hard and not being afraid. I mean, even though he is afraid, being brave, like that's what I see with Aubrey is like he's fucking brave. And there's people that have felt him in certain series of his lifetimes and like they hold him to that person. And the thing that I, that I have seen is I've seen him shift and transform so much in the last two years of who he was from his whole open relationship and the chaos that, that, you know, maybe was and like what there was publicly and the things that were said to like now being in the sacred union with Vailana and like how it's shifted over the course of that two years, it gives me permission like, to change I'm an and changing motherfucking human too. Yeah. And that Always. was, that was one thing that I loved that I had heard, you know, he had spoken so publicly about open relationships and then was actually like, you know what, this isn't for me. Yeah. And I think people for whatever reason think when you say something that needs to be the end all be all. No. And it's like, we aren't concrete. Like no, we're not, it's very like, no. And I loved that. I think it's great to change your mind because it shows that you've had growth. Yes. Even if you sway back and forth sometimes yeah. like, and that's what know. boundaries are really for, by the way, rules are things that are set where you can't grow and expand. That's where we see it. Like a lot of things in like religion or with like the rules, our parents pass down to us, like from household to household boundaries are the malleable walls that you create in order to feel safe in the current experience that you're experiencing. But they also are malleable enough that they can grow and expand with you as you begin to want to expand into new territory and then continue to feel safe as you're exploring new territory. So that's why boundary work for me is like the essential because I'm not concrete, but if I'm that expansive and there's no boundaries at all, I'm going to feel like I'm going to fractal away into a million pieces. And it feels so fucking overwhelming in the vastness of everything that is possible of experiencing. And so instead boundaries are for me to communicate to the people around me and to the universe around me of what I feel safe to experience. And that's, you know, that's what we're really getting to is like, we want to manifest our dream life. Mm-hmm. And I've manifested my dream life. And the way that I've done that is by staying really grounded and feeling safe to manifest it because we can only manifest what we feel safe to it really experience. And so right now, like what I feel safe to experience with these two men in my life, you know, is the, is what I'm experiencing. And as I get safer and safer within myself and in my own center, then I will continue to expand where those boundaries lie and in conversation with another person, like, Hey, what do you feel good expanding into? And if somebody says, well, I want to expand into this. And I say, Ooh, that doesn't make me feel safe. 
I'm not going to compromise on that just because that's what the other person wants. And being safe within yourself is what provides you the ability to stay centered enough where you're willing to lose anyone so long as you keep yourself. That's amazing. Let's touch a little bit on the workshop. So Aubrey, is he, is he not, he's not married to who you're doing the workshop with, correct? So I'm doing a medicine woman and awaken your medicine woman retreat in Sedona with Bailana, okay, who good. is Aubrey's wife. Okay. Okay. Yes. I didn't know. I couldn't remember. I was like, are they married? Maybe not yet. Yes, I don't know. They are. So tell us like a little bit about that, what you can expect, what yeah. people could look forward to. Yeah. So that retreat is sold out already, but I am going to be doing a virtual experience where I invite people to actually host their own retreat where Rylana and I provide all the content and the schedule and the structure for the weekend. But you actually get to really invite people in for this experience. So that's something that's going to get being released very soon for women. Rylana is somebody who is so vast in her complexities as a woman. Like she's, she's so many things and that's, that's really what it is to be in the feminine. And I don't mean man and woman. I mean, Every man, every woman has feminine energy that is extremely vast and how they are textured. Like think of texture. When you meet someone, you're like, you know, some people are typical archetypes. And then all of a sudden you layer all this texture on top of them. And you're just like, whoa, this person is fucking like they're, they Mm -hmm. have all their own flavors. It's like a flavor of ice cream you can't find anywhere, Mm -hmm. but there. That to me is what it feels like to be a medicine woman where you are an entire universe within yourself and how you process and how you express. And it's so unique to your individual traumas and your perceptions and how you've healed those traumas and how you choose to interpret the world and engage with the world around you. And Vailana has done a lot of work in her own practice with sovereignty. Like she really knows who she is and how she serves in so many ways. And when I'm with her and if I'm in a medicine container with her, or if it's just sober, I see so many different shades of her, but they're all very grounded, you know? So that to me, like having that experience with her, it reflects to me, the medicine woman that's within me, my own ability to transmute energy, to heal myself, to call in and manifest whatever I want to be in partnership with another person who is extremely fucking powerful and to not allow that light to somehow feel like it dims yours, but to see the abundance in it and to see the partnership and like the expansiveness of it. And so she's somebody that I just want to share. I want to share with the world. Like mm-hmm. I, I love her. I think she's magical. I think other people will have, will experience healing in the presence of her. And that's what this retreat is about. It's about bringing women that have inspired me so much that I feel have a lot of integrity with the way that they serve and allowing my community to have access to the potency of the medicine that they bring because Women, they're going to come to this retreat. They're finding their own medicine, their own internal, unique texture that lets them serve how they serve. You know, I'm a very textured person. So when you come in, you're going to have an experience with me and there's going to be components of me that light up in you and you go, oh my gosh, I have something similar. Mm -hmm. But, and I have all this texture. So you're going to have, like people have that experience with me. Now you add in another woman with just as much texture, but in different ways. Like it's almost like providing an entire book rather than just one chapter. Like I'm a chapter and that chapter is going to speak to you, but the whole fucking book. And I have other, a couple other medicine women that are coming in as well that are really potent that have inspired me. And that's going to provide just, you know, so much more language for people to find resonance to of like, Hey, I really relate to this. And I can, I can see this medicine within myself and this is how it kind of works. And this is how I want to continue like exploring myself. Some of the practices Vailana brings to the table are things that I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know about, I've, you know, they're, they're unique to her own mm-hmm. interpretation of the universe and energy and spirit and medicine and all of that. And then that's where we're going to come together and really fill in a lot of the gaps as medicine women that are all 
in, in relation to each other during this experience. That's amazing. Oh, well, I'm so excited. This was such a good podcast. You're totally going to have to come in like again with, there's so much more. I feel like we could touch on, Definitely. but let everybody know Instagram website, everything yes. so they can come over and say, Hey, do you? Yes. My Instagram, I have so many ways that you can reach out to me on there You can book a 60 minute assessment. If you are interested in doing the inner child assessment with me to get, figure out what your boundaries look like, what you need to do moving forward, mm-hmm. actionable steps. You can just reach out to me, DM me. I also respond to my DMS or I'll have an assistant that's going through and making sure that everybody gets a touch point right now. And then my, my website for my retreat business is called the alpasproject.com and alpas means becoming free. It's Greek and it's spelled A-L-P-A-S. So the alpasproject.com, you, if you go to my Instagram, you can get on my email list to make sure that you don't miss any upcoming retreats, upcoming workshops, whether they're virtual or they're in person. And then I also have a mastermind for self healers that will start at the beginning of 2022 that I'm taking applications for now. And that will be a six month long program where I take you through inner child healing, boundary work, really understanding generational trauma, as well as getting clear on who you are, what your desires are and how you continue to move and engage with energy moving forward to manifest the life of your dreams. I'll have that available for people to sign up to start in 2022 I'll have limited spots available. So if you really, really feel called to do that type of work intensively in a community group, in a mastermind with physical meetups in person throughout the course of that, then definitely reach out to me and I'll make sure that you get on that list. Woo-hoo. Well, thank you so much, TV babes, for tuning in. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and we will see your cute selves next Thursday.